Hello, everyone. My name is Brennan Marr. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator. And welcome to this inaugural episode of A Thousand Generations. Presented by Page Turners, They Were Not, a Star Wars podcast. A Thousand Generations is my Thursday show. Where we talk about the history of Star Wars. We talk about the overall view of Star Wars. And even the nostalgia of Star Wars. But all of it dealing with the time of Star Wars. Today, we're going to talk about politics and Star Wars. Now, there are those, and I'm sure you've seen them out there. A lot of them might be trolls, and some of them might be sincere. Say, keep politics out of my Star Wars. Now, I think many of them, when they say politics, they don't actually mean politics. They mean keep diversity out of Star Wars, keep strong female roles out of Star Wars, or at least feeling that those things are forced. I do not agree with their assessment. I believe that Star Wars has always been political. We're going to talk about behind the scenes here. George Lucas was writing Star Wars in the early 1970s. Why is this significant? Ah, the early 70s saw the tail end of the Vietnam War saw the Watergate scandal, the Pentagon papers, the national discontent about the war, and the fact that we lost the war. Yes. All those things were there as George Lucas was writing and developing Star Wars. Star Wars came at an interesting time period, which I've talked about before. An era called New Hollywood. What is New Hollywood, you may ask? New Hollywood is the 70s films. From the late 60s to the early 80s, there was a movement in American cinema that was very auteur. What's an auteur? Auteur is French for author. It's the idea of a director of a film being the author of his movie like an author is of a book. That was big during New Hollywood. But also what was interesting is the old code that governed Hollywood. The decency code had fallen apart. So now the filmmakers were free to explore 
grittier, more discontent movies that were more countercultural in nature, reflective of the time period in which these filmmakers lived. Spielberg, Coppola, Scorsese, Lucas, De Palma, Friedkin, the list goes on. Movies that commented on the social anxieties of the time. Star Wars was part of that mix. As George Lucas was writing Star Wars, he was seeing particularly corruption in government. And so the idea he had of a republic that became an empire because of an evil leader um, using their power to destroy freedom and liberty. That's what George Lucas felt that Richard Nixon was doing at the time. Now, personally, I think Richard Nixon gets a bit of a bad rap historically. But there's no doubt in my mind that he did abuse his office and did commit acts that were illegal. And it's a good thing he resigned or he would have been removed from office. So the idea that Palpatine, in a way, is inspired by Richard Nixon... You know, as I said, who says Star Wars isn't political? Now, we never really hear about that on screen in the original trilogy. Other than the Emperor dissolving the Senate. That's a big one right there, is the idea that... Okay, I'm the boss, we don't need a Senate anymore, bye-bye. That's exactly, by the way, what... Uh, happened in England when Charles I disbanded Parliament and began the English Civil War because he said, sorry, Parliament, we don't need you anymore. And there are many historical parallels to leaders dissolving uh, Congresses. Also, in the backstory of Star Wars, you had the idea that Palpatine, as a politician, became the leader of the Republic and then became the Emperor. You know, subverting and turning a democracy into a dictatorship. Now, of course, we all know where this leads later. But nonetheless, there are historical parallels in the original trilogy that are political in nature that comment on particularly what was going on in the 70s. So it's there. Okay, we're going to take a break to hear about our sponsor. When I come back, we'll discuss more. See you in a minute. Okay. And that was a word about Anchor. Okay, let's talk about the prequels. Oh boy. Here we go with politics. 
Now, right from the opening crawl in The Phantom Menace, with the taxation of trade routes, we knew we were going to be delving into some material that was a little more overtly political, whereas the original trilogy was more subtle. In, in direct political commentary, the prequels were more the prequels are more overt. Now, I don't necessarily mean that they were commenting on the time period of the early 2000s. We'll get to that in a minute. But I think they're commenting on just the... on just... the history of politics. Because the truth is, we may look at the prequels we may look at Star Wars and say, that's too on the nose. That's a direct commentary on America at that time. Well, you know what? These themes are bigger than that. Yeah, these themes, these ideas, they're bigger than that. It can be applied to many historical parallels. Not just the here and now whether it's Napoleon, whether it's Hitler, whether it's Julius Caesar. It's all there, whether it's Idi Amin, whether it's uh, Emperor Bokasa. It's, it's all there. It's been there. Okay, so episode one gives us more of a you know, taxation of trade routes, the Queen needs to plead the case to the Senate. The vote of no confidence in Chancellor Valorum. It's a lot of politics. It is. And, you know, but I got to confess, I thought that some of the scenes in the Senate were a bit more interesting than some people thought. But nonetheless, it wasn't what some fans were expecting. But what it does show is Palpatine using the sympathy generated in the Senate for Naboo for his planet. He uses that to oust Chancellor Valorum and appoint himself, or, or rather set his path to become Supreme Chancellor. That's very important. The overall arc of Star Wars is Palpatine setting himself on the path to eventually become the Emperor. Sneaky politicians subverting the system for their own gains. It's a universal truth, which can be applied to many instances. I know that some people weren't very keen on it. And the whole thing is mired by baseless accusations of corruption. You know, the bureaucrats are in charge now and all that stuff. Enter the bureaucrats. You know. It's a lot of political mumbo-jumbo, yes. 
And like many fans, I initially went, this is so dumb. But now I look at it and say, well, you know, it's, I don't know. I don't mind it as much anymore. And then, of course, we get to episode two with the, with the even the opening crawl says, Senator Amidala returns to Naboo to, you know, vote on the War Military Creation Act. It's like, oh, how exciting. <laughs> and the idea that, you know, you've got systems succeed, seceding from the Republic. You know, the separatists and all that stuff. And then you get a terrorist bombing and attacks on Senator Amidala because she's going to be an important part of the the vote. Um, I'm assuming that's why they tried to kill her. I, you know, Zam Wessel and Django thought why they tried to kill her. I know they were hired by Count Dooku, but I, I'm assuming it's because she was going to vote for something that Dooku didn't... I, I don't know. Like I said, it does delve into the political mumbo-jumbo. And, and there's some scenes in episode two where Anakin and Padme discuss politics. Culture... I don't know. Not my favorite thing. So nonetheless, it's a lot of political talk, but yet, yet again... You know, like Senator or Representative Jar Jar Binks being duped into voting emergency powers to Palpatine. You know, it's all a manipulation of Palpatine to become Emperor. So it has a purpose. Um, and then, of course, we get the Revenge of the Sith, where there were some people who drew direct parallels with Anakin and George W. Bush. The idea of saying, you know, if you're not with me, then you're my enemy. And, and all that stuff. And, and, you know, only a Sith deals in absolutes, which is uh, an appallingly bad line. I'll say um, when when Obi Wan says that, because he's speaking in an absolute, so not a well written line in those scenes, but I don't see the direct parallel because there have been many people throughout history who said you're either with me or you're my enemy. You know, you know it, it's not it's not limited only to George W. Bush. I know one saying only Sith deals and absolutes. I don't want to put on my tinfoil hat and guess what George Lucas meant by that. Other than I think that the Jedi and the Sith both deal in absolutes. It's just their nature. So, there's so much more we could say, but politics is part of Star Wars. The sequels toned it down, and I actually wish that they had explain the political landscape a little bit better. But I think they deliberately, at least starting out, deliberately 
we're like, well, fans don't like the politics of the prequels, so we're going to skip that. Which is terribly ironic. Because if, and I, and I don't know this, I'm just saying if, that was a deliberate intention to say no politics because fans didn't like that in the prequels. Only to have the, the prequels go on a major upswing popularity. It's terribly ironic. But nonetheless, politics is a part of Star Wars. It has always been a part of Star Wars. And it should be a part of Star Wars. Star Wars is many things. It's theology. It's action adventure. It's political storytelling. It's a combination of so many things. So those are my thoughts on politics and Star Wars and why they've always been there. Let me know what you think. My name is Brendan Moore. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator. And thank you for tuning in to A Thousand Generations. Presented by Page Turners. They were not a Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you.